that you're worried about. And next he hits us with another logical argument in verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Who of you by worrying, by means of worrying, can accomplish this to add a single hour to your life? Ironically, worrying doesn't promise the thing that it doesn't supply the thing that it promises. It promises protection from the unexpected. That's a purpose of worrying. We think about things beforehand, so when we get there, we're ready for them. Or we take measures to protect ourselves from what's going to come. Ironically, worrying, especially excessive worrying, doesn't supply the thing it promises. Now, I want to make a side of this. I was going to list more of the um, health detriments of worry, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not a doctor. I'll let you look that up. But worry does have a kind of positive side as well. I do think there are times in our lives where we need to push the red alert button. All hands to battle. This is a Star Trek illustration. All hands to battle stations. Everyone needs to get, every part of you needs to get ready for something that's unexpected, for something that you discover that you really weren't ready for. Uh, An event just happened a month ago that took many of us by surprise. It's called school. So... You might not have been ready for that, had all your stuff bought if you're a parent or were hoping for more time. The Bible certainly backs up this idea that we make changes in our lives in many places. It calls it repentance, that you'd consider your sins and you'd turn away from them. And that's no doubt a jarring event. So there's, there's jarring events that, that are recommended in Scripture. So it doesn't, it doesn't so much feel like Jesus is speaking about that. He's not so worried about you making big, sudden changes in your lives. Uh, he presents it as the opposite side of the equation of worry is not mental ease, but mental ease brought about by faith, which is faith that God will help us even in the everyday needs of our lives, even in the need for school books and geometry sets and so forth. However, these things are not to be run after. We're going to skip down to verse 31. So not, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall, this is in quotes, what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This pursuit is, is called pagan. The nations in Greek, those, those non-Jewish and thus negatively, negative beliefs. These groups operate outside of God's value. So this, again, brings us to the problem we mentioned a moment ago. What is the difference between running after something, as the, uh, the Living Translation gives? Running after clothes and food, for example, and just earning money to buy them so you're not hungry and naked. There is a group, again, right here in our midst today that you can look around and see who need the opposite end of this injunction. They're called teenagers. They sit in their rooms. They don't seem that worried at all, as a matter of fact. You're providing their food and clothing. I have to remember not to call them Joshy and Mikey anymore. 
Michael and Josh. Yes, well, some of them maybe need a bit more urgency in their lives. I'll grant you that. Thus, it is a matter of degree. Um, I'm going to spend a little bit of time with the word running after. That's one word in Greek. It's a very plain, normal verb. There's no exotic word study I'm going to do. It's just the word to seek. Some versions give seeking after. Uh, that word to seek, again, is pretty normal. Herod sought Jesus, he uses that word. It's to find out a particular person, to go in a search for something or someone. Often, as I said, it's a physical search. But Paul uses it in more of an emotional way in Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, verses 16 and 17, he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your account. So, like any other missionary, Paul needed support. You've given much support to people over the ages. And uh, he needs that. This is a normal thing, of course, when we send Darren to El Salvador. He needs money to do that, and the people there need money to build these homes. It's not for free. That's all true. But Paul replies that he has a secondary reason for needing this support, which is which it's awkwardly translated. The, the ESV gives, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit, which is technically correct. The NCV gives, really is not that I want to receive gifts from you, but I want you to have the good that comes from giving. So he wishes something. He is seeking the good that comes to you from giving. I'm wishing that. I'm desiring that. This brings up a funny idea. Think about this. God isn't just concerned about the things we do, important as those are. But our desires, our desire to shape our future, the things we wish we're doing or are going to do. A person is not just the things, a sum of the things they do, but also the things they want. The things we want are the motivation for what we do. So two people might give to a charity. They might give to your food pantry. One of them gives to be seen by others. They might not even be aware of that. And the second gives because they want to help needy people. In the eye of the charity, there isn't much difference. They still get the things that they want. Bread, coffee, toothpaste. But in the eyes of God, there's a big difference between those two people. Why they gave is important to God. Why? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? What am I seeking one is seeking recognition. The other is seeking to do good. My desires tend to stay with me unless checked. This is why it's good to live in a community and later on to be married. Your wife often will venture things to you, if you're a husband, things you need to change in your life that you were never aware of. My wife was a trained counselor, by the way, so I get a fair amount of that, usually in a nice way. You haven't yielded, we would say this in Christianity, you haven't yielded your desire to God. This is, a, this is an image. I like to use my hands. It's like doing this. I take my desires, 
And I do that before God. I spread them out on the altar, if you wish. And I let him, through his spirit, tell me what of my desires are cool and right and what aren't. We have many things we desire. What is, what is the part of what I'm after? Not just the object of what I'm after, but why I'm doing it. The why is so important. I could preach a thousand sermons, but if I do so with the right motivation, they're tainted in God's eyes, even though the result might be fine. That yielding, spreading things out on the altar and connecting with God and my community to tell me how I should deal with things. And as I'm, I'm suggesting, this is not a... It's not a thing I suggest doing by yourself. We're really good at deceiving ourselves. The heart is deceptive. Your own inner dialogue, you can lie to yourself. I'm such a good person for giving to the food bank. Okay, when really your motivation is wrong. Next, Jesus gives kind of the answer to this. How do we deal with this in our heads? Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Notice that we've gotten the word seek again. Now we're seeking something else. The thing you're to seek, if you, in as much as that you have control over that, is described as God's kingdom. If I'm to make first my desire for God's kingdom, these other things follow later. If I make first my desire to provide whatever name it, provide security for myself, provide the food and clothing that I need. If that's, if that comes, starts to come first. Well, it's all well and good that I'm following God, but I've got to get the real things figured out first. That's how that voice will sound in your head. By the way, I talk to a lot of parents who say that about Bible school. Do you know it's great you send these kids to Bible school, but they really have to get the real things. They have to get a real education to make money in the real world. Then maybe they can do your religious... I think these are Christian parents who will say that kind of thing. I understand that. I understand that money is a real thing. I've certainly felt that. Now, I could object. Most of those students end up financially quite well. Just the fact that it lessens the chance of you getting divorced is a good financial reason. But really, I I should answer with this, that seek first the kingdom of God. Does God first want them to do that? Or, I'm not saying it's for everybody, come to a place like a Bible school to learn more about him, get closer to him. But it's not as though God, the passage is not saying your, your real needs have no matter. It's not saying that. Just... Just don't worry about clothing and food. Even if you don't have anything, that's too bad for you. But in your suffering, God will be there with you. He could have said that. I think we go through hard times and God is there with our suffering. But he actually gives a promise. God either is going to do this or he's not, by the way. His promises either are real or not. All these things will be given to you. All these things will be given to you. You take care of my business and seek me. I'm just going to fill in the gaps. I don't know how, I was thinking of what illustration I could use for my life for this. And I feel like Jill and I are a key illustration for this very principle. Um, Throughout, Jill, I I do have one, I'll give you, okay? I do have one. In uh, in my second church, I was working at a a little church. They didn't have any money. 
And we were going further and further into debt. And um, I was a pastor, and I was sitting in that in an office kind of like that one, only in the basement with a little basement window and wood paneling. And, <laughs> and I was just thinking, boy, this is not working. And I had tried everything. It was two years in. I tried getting a second job. There just No one was hiring. I thought, wow, what's, what's going to happen? And I got a phone call. And the phone call was from a musician. He was going to perform at the big church in town. Altona had several big churches, even though it's the size of Sexsmith. And he was a musician. He just wanted to confirm a few things with the church. He got the wrong number, and he called me. This young pastoral kid picks up the phone, and he just had a talk with me. How are you? Who are you? How old are you? Well, I shared my story. Things aren't going really well. And he said to me, well, uh, Jason, the the next 10 years are going to get better for you. It's it's not going to be as tough financially. Things are going to pick up for you in I don't remember exactly what he said, but the whole, I don't know that, I don't think he would have said he was a prophet at all, by the way. I think he just said this is what's probably going to happen. It just so happened that he was right. It wasn't long after that that things turned around for us. And I did get um, a second job. I became the caretaker of our apartment building. And not long after that, I became a, a part-time plumber, which is a skill I carry with me today, if you ask how does the toilets keep flushing at PRBI? I'm one of the reasons they keep flushing. <laughs> Every summer, I do a little inspection of them all. God's plan. God really did supply all we need. By the time we left that little town, we not only had made up for the deficit we had, we were investing already. Now, it wasn't, I wasn't going to be a millionaire, but it certainly felt a lot differently, and I couldn't say that I had done anything different. Somehow, this was just provided to me. Finally, Jesus says, each day has enough trouble of its own. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Not literally, of course, Stan, a day can't worry about itself. But related to the next passage, each day has enough trouble. Focus on the immediate. Focus on the immediate. The final principle he gives. The mind is turned to today. Part of worry is looking forward to things I can't do anything about in the moment. If I use that energy to focus on the things I can change, I've done something productive. It's very common sense, by the way. Jesus isn't going too theoretical today. You might, as you're an older person, relatively older person, you might be nodding and thinking, well, that's true. I've learned to not think too far ahead in what I can do. Jill and I are renovating one of our little apartments to rent, and I told Calvin, I think we've, we've bit off more than we can chew. I probably should have just rented it right away as is for a little bit less money, but no! You've watched all those repair shows. Oh, this is... We're going to jump in, and, and of course we didn't have the energy in, in the summer. We were hit with something, and uh, it blew everything apart, and now I'm back at school. And so, it's, it's, 
the other day. She, she gave me a list of all the things that I still have to do, and it's too much. I just, I just can't handle all of that now. I can just look ahead to the one thing I know I have to do this afternoon, and that's what I'm focused on. Otherwise, as I look at too many things, I just get overwhelmed by it all, and I, I, I don't even know how to do some of them, really. But I've, I found a little trick. I don't know, maybe you know this, but this is the truth. As I have to do things, I'll do them, and I'll focus on them. I'll look stuff up on YouTube as I have to tackle it. That's usually how I handle it. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So where is your mind today? You've been listening. As I think about these things, I don't feel like I have all the answers, but I know someone who does have all the answers. He calls me to trust him with the practical things of life, and not just the spiritual, that I can trust his provision. I was so worried about stuff all through our marriage. I became a minister at a young age. That brought a sense of responsibility, and I became a father only a few years later, and that added to my sense of responsibility. And I often felt that I've, I failed at one or the other of those things at times in my life. And it's such a burden It was such a burden how I worried through our marriage. That time I just spoke to you about when we were going in debt, I just just felt trapped. And no doubt God provided for us through those times, and he continues to do it. But I don't mean to say either that it's all sunshine, that I got to age 30 and that I've just been rich and prosperous and well-clothed and well-fed, maybe well-fed ever since that time. By the way, side note for the young fellows here, um, my old pastor said, don't marry a good-looking woman, marry a woman who can cook. Looks fade, but a guy's always got to (laughs) eat. All right, buddy, think about that. God's promise to us is not that he will support us emotionally while we starve, but that his normal operation, his normal operation is to provide for us just like he does for the birds. Look at the birds. They seem to do okay. They're birds. How important is a bird in the eyes of God? Well, I don't know, probably not very important. There you go. And yet somehow there's seeds for them to eat, There's grass, there's food, even through the winter up here. Sometimes I wonder how those little sparrows survive. Besides eating my hascap bushes, I do my part for that. I leave a whole bunch of berries on the hascaps. Maybe that's part of God's provision for them. So if he does that for them, aren't you of more worth than they are? And you're a child of God. Won't he take care of the stuff that's coming down the pipe towards you? We can trust him in those moments. And that really is his key to worry. His key, ultimately, is to focus on doing his work and brings us away from what's going on in here. Why don't we take a moment to pray? Father in heaven, we really do have needs, and we really do have to be clothed. In today's world, we have to have a roof over our heads up here probably some kind of vehicle to drive around in. But somehow, you know those things too. These aren't surprises to you. Help us to trust you in those moments when it doesn't look like everything's going well. And help us to not 
supersede our faith and go to what seems expedient and correct to focus on first on the things we need. We ask in Jesus' name.